Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. And uh, God's good to us. And we were uh, going over, you may be seated. We were going over um, follow-up. And uh, I want to continue with that. We didn't get very far last week. I did a lot of illustrations and talked to you. Tried to get a little bit further this time. But I I really want to talk to you. The Bible says that uh, the the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that wineth a soul is wise. And God wants us to have that wisdom that we can win souls, not to judge people, not to think we're more righteous than somebody else, not to look down at them, but to see them the way God sees them. And when you see people the way God sees them, then you can't help but just uh, have compassion for them. You, you want them to, to do better. You want them to be able to come and feel what you're feeling right now. You can't get this anywhere else. You can't get this in at a ball game. You can't get it in drugs or alcohol. Man, the presence of the Lord gives you a peace. It gives you a a comfort. It gives you a joy. Amen. It's unspeakable. Joy unspeakable. You can't even really tell anybody. When I had cancer, I told people, you can't tell anybody what it's like to go through cancer, uh, the cancer treatment. You, You can't tell anybody how bad it really is. And it's the same way you can't tell anybody how really good Jesus is because, man, it's joy unspeakable. When I got a hold of him and, and, uh, you know, I, I... Somebody said, I found Jesus, man. He was never lost, man. I was lost. But when I I was able to see who he was, I tore that church up. There wasn't a backslider safe within 10 miles of that city. Amen. I witnessed everybody. I didn't care. What was I going to lose? I had what they needed. Amen. So I I want to talk to you about that, that uh, he that wins souls is wise. And and so we ended last week where we were talking about uh, utilizing threefold approach to soul winning. And the first, time, the first thing we talked about was a group follow-up, nurturing the believer through the local church. Y'all remember what I was talking about there, that uh, not forsaking your uh, assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Jesus is coming back, and we need to exhort each other a whole lot more than what we have been, amen? We need to call each other. We need to text each other. We need to drop a line to each other and say, man, praying for you, thinking about you, Let's have church Tuesday night or let's have church Sunday, amen. It's time to get involved, amen. It's not time to revolve. It's time to get involved, amen. And God wants to do something like that. And, and then we, number two was, first was group follow-up. And I'm going to go a little bit quick here, but I'll slow down. Number two is personal study. We talked about that. Activities in which the new Christian engages on his own. So we got to make sure that, that notice 1 Timothy 4, 13 through 16. Till I come, give attendance to reading. We got to teach these new converts till I come, give attendance to reading. To exhortation. Exhortation. To doctrine. To doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee. He's talking to church. Neglect not the gift that is given thee. Which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. He says meditate upon these things. You know what meditate means? It doesn't mean just, just you ever see a dog eat? It just wolfs it down. Boy, it's gone. It don't matter. You put it down there, he's going to just devour it. 
Amen. But see, a cow, it meditates. It'll eat that grass and it'll lay down under the shade somewhere. And you'll see it chewing that cud real slow. Just chewing it real slow. And then that, he can even swallow it and then bring it back up and chew it some more because he's learned how to meditate. That's meditating. That's what you need to do. When you come to church, don't just swallow what anybody's giving you. Bring it back up and study it and fall in love with it and let it yeah. become a part of your life. Amen? Amen. That's what God's looking for. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself holy to them. Now, that's not H-O-L-Y. It's holy like meaning to holy. Give yourself holy. Give every aspect of you. Strain every fiber. Amen? Mm-hmm. Strain every fiber. Have you ever had to pick something up where you strained every fiber in your body to pick it up? That's what God said. You, you live for him that way. You strain every fiber. You put your shoulder to the grinding stone, amen? Mm-hmm. Burn the candle at both ends. It don't matter because the time is short, and the devil knows the time is short. But God said, you know what? I'm coming back, and he needs a church that is involved in, in follow-up, following up with these new converts. So it's telling us that we need to do these things, continue in them. Go ahead. Take heed what? Now give thyself holy to them that thy profiting may appear to all. So when you give yourself holy to the church, to the things of God, you're going to appear profitable to everybody. They're going to wonder, what in the world? I got a man that owns banks. He's a good friend of mine. We have, we have a, a, a place where about 20 of us from high school, we all meet one, one time a year and play golf. And he's got a mansion. He owns Prosperity Bank. He's got his own jet and everything. He's got everything you can think of. And uh, he's amazed at all the places that I've been able to go. And I, I don't have any money, but God sent me to Taiwan to preach. And God sent me over to Greece and to France. And I've been all over Central and South America preaching all the islands. I've been over there preaching and everything. And it amazes them because it's the profiting of all that God's given me. They're looking at me like, how did you do those things? And they're just, now they're in their 65, 66, 67. And they're just now starting to do some of the things that God already let me do. Living for God is awesome. You hear what I'm saying? He opens doors that no man can shut. And so he says, you got to give yourself that property may appear to all. And then take heed unto thyself. Boy, now he gets serious. He said, take heed. That means you, you take a step back and look in that mirror. Take heed to yourself. And unto the doctrine. And to the doctrine. There's so many people that are becoming progressive that they're, 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 they're uh, drifting away from the truth. They, they, they think that some things aren't necessary. I'm going to tell you something. Anytime somebody tells you something in that Bible that's not necessary, you need to go the other direction. Amen. You don't need to listen to them. And that's why he's telling them here, take heed to thyself and to thy doctrine. And then what's he say? He says, continue, continue in them. Continue in them. You got to continue. Remember what it says in the book of Acts? They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, prayer, breaking bread, fellowship. And God added to the church daily such as should be saved. That's what God's trying to show us. He, it wasn't just a one-time message. Paul kept bringing that up. He kept throwing it out there for people Take heed to thyself. Take heed to thyself. Quit worrying about everybody else. Take heed to thyself. Amen. Yep. Because God wants to put you in a position that he's going to pro- show, he's going to show people how much you've profited under him. Your testimony is what God's given you. Well, Brother Abraham, I've never did drugs. I've never did. I, that's a better testimony than mine because most of the people that you meet out there that are younger, they've never did drugs yet. They haven't done a lot of things that I did when I was older. And so you've got a testimony that says, yeah, I never did drugs. I never did those things people are doing. But this is what God kept me from. When I got the Holy Ghost, when I got baptized in Jesus' name, God kept me from that. 
man, have you ever done something you wished you hadn't done? And every one of them young people say, yeah. He said, well, you know what? My God forgave me. I did too, but God forgave me at an altar of repentance. And I was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's a testimony. Amen. Amen. Look at my testimony. I, I was a coward for 23 years, man. I, I, I wasn't worth anything for 23 years. Amen. So he's telling us, take heed to thyself. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and what? And them that hear thee. So if you want your, if you got family members that aren't saved, that means you got to take heed to yourself. Uh-oh. Take heed to yourself, amen? And to the doctrine, continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt save thyself and them that hear you. See, there's going to be people that hear you. And there's going to be people that hear you that you don't think hear you. My brother watched me for 30-something years. And after 30-something years, he calls me up one night and says, Hey, Danny, you're not going to believe it, but I want you to be the first to know. Uh, me and, uh, me, me and uh, Tammy and the kids got baptized in Jesus' name. We got the Holy Ghost. And I wanted to thank you. And you know what he said? I want to thank you for always being the same. See, continuing steadfastly. Being the same at Christmas, being the same at Thanksgiving, being the same whenever you see him. He thanked me for being the same because he knew that when he got to that place he needed God, he knew what he needed to do. I didn't think he was ever listening to me, but you see what God can do. Take heed to thyself and thy doctrine. You won't only save yourself, but you'll save them that hear you. Amen. And then the next thing you got to do is follow up. This is the hard one. One to one relationship with a mature believer. To, um, and this is to aid and inspire the new Christian's growth. you got to latch yourself. you got to yoke yourself to somebody that comes to church new. I know, man, we're living in a fast-paced race, and it's a rat race, and the rats are winning, amen? But we got to slow down long enough to say, wait a second, I know God has something for me, and I'm going to take a little time. I'm going to take a little time. There were 10 leopards. They got healed. They all left, but one came back. One took a little bit of time to thank Jesus, amen? And that's how it is with us. I don't care if nobody else gets involved in soul winning or follow-up. You should be the one that's going to get involved in follow-up, amen? You should look and see who needs to be fellowship so that they can see the power of God in your life and see how you profited from it. Woo! My, my, my. Barnabas had Mark. <laughs> he, he took Mark with him, and Paul took Timothy with him. You see, they work together, a mature Christian and, and one that was a newer Christian, a uh, younger one. He took them with them so that they could work together. This work is best done by members serving as mentors and role models. When people come in out of the world, they need a role model. They, they, they got role models in the world. Uh, they got baseball heroes and football heroes and, and you, the vulgar language that comes from the singers and the uh, entertainment world and, and all, all these people are their stars. Hey, I'm going to tell you what, man. They ain't no stars. My Bible says if you're a soul winner, you'll be like the stars in heaven forever and ever. You want to be a star? Be a soul winner, amen. Because God will make you a star, amen. And that's what I love about the things of God. We got to make sure that we mentor them and be role models. It should also be done with discretion. Women with women and men with men. And, you know, a husband and wife. But go if there's a family. Sister Abra had a, uh, she had a Bible study in Panama on the Air Force Base and and uh, her hut, uh, uh, what was her name? Cynthia? No, the other one, Eddie's wife, Patricia. Patricia uh, uh, wanted a Bible study. She's from Colombia. She's married to a boy from Puerto Rico. And he's sitting over there. He's in the Air Force. He's sitting over in the other room. 
and she's talking to Sister Abrams. Sister Abrams witnessed her, and uh, she's got to say, well, he don't, he don't really, he's not interested in everything. And the more Sister Abrams taught and was teaching and the anointing of God was coming in that place, finally he steps in and he wanted to know what was going on. And guess what? I baptized him, and I baptized Patricia in a, in a, a swimming pool, amen. And his mother came from Puerto Rico, and I, she only spoke Spanish, and I was preaching in English. But guess what? She ran to the altar, and God filled her with the Holy Ghost. She got baptized. You know why? Because somebody said, I'm going to follow up with this lady. It was a phone call, man. Follow up. Follow Selena the same way. Another girl married to an American soldier in Panama. And uh, Sister Aber called wanting to know about a bike for our son, Ryan. And she said, well, I only have a girl's bike. I think that's how it went. And Sister Aber said, yeah, I says, we're, we're up here. We're missionaries. And she said, I'm looking for somebody to baptize me in Jesus' name. She said, I went to another church, and they told me that I need to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. She said, but when I read the Bible, it said Jesus' name. And so Sister Aber calls me. We get up there, and we baptize her in a swimming pool. She comes out of the water speaking in tongues. We hadn't seen her in years, but she got contact us, what, about a year ago? And said she's still living for God. She's still on fire for God. Hey, I'm telling you, friend, follow up. It's not enough just to bring them. You got to teach them. You got you to be an example to them. You got to love them. You gotta, nobody loves them out there. They don't know what love is. But, man, when you feel that godly love, when you feel somebody that is on fire for God, that changes the situation. So with this understanding of follow-up, consider some reasons regarding the importance of follow-up. Number one, and I'm going to leave vulnerability of the new Christian. The reason we got to follow up is they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable to going back out into the world because they've got friends out there. Now, when I got the Holy Ghost, uh, I, 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 not everybody is the same way. Don't get, you're talking about Brother Aber, I'm kind of, you know, I'm not. Man, I hated everybody. I didn't like anybody before I got in church. I didn't want to be around anybody. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Well, it's not my nature. Well, it's not my nature anymore because I took on God's nature. When I got the Holy Ghost, my nature had to subside, amen? But God said, wait a second now. He gave me this boldness because like the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, just a few months later, what was he doing? He was denying Christ, amen? But now he's preaching Jesus and laying hands on people and they're getting healed. So God's trying to show us something here. So uh, we got to take these these new Christians, we got to baby them. We got to bring them into the family, amen? When somebody has a baby, you don't just leave them abandoned. You don't just have the baby and say, well, you make your own uh, oatmeal and make your own this. Uh, little Jojo, he's got a little uh, uh, computer deal and he say, I want milk. I want oatmeal. And, and, and he can push that man and they, they jump up and they go to it, you know what I'm saying? And that's how we ought to be with the new converts. We ought to listen to their needs. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to what's going on in their life. If their marriage is bad, we need to start praying and fasting and asking other people to bind together. Get them to come to something like what's going to go on Saturday, amen. And get them involved in some fellowship and see people that are living for God. And how much fun it is living for God. Man, I'm not ashamed of what God did in my life after I got the Holy Ghost. Man, I had to tell everybody. I had to tell everybody. Man, I was happy. And people, man, they just shook their head. They didn't know what was going on. I said, that's okay, man. I'm just telling you, God changed me. God changed me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. And I wasn't intimidated by anybody. You know why? Because God put a boldness in me. Because I was able to say, you know what? I'm going to live for God. I've got to make sure that these new people we're bringing won't be vulnerable. I, I don't want them just to come and go. You hear what I'm saying? I don't say, oh, we had a revival in 30, got the Holy Ghost, and none of them are there. 
That, that don't make sense to me, amen. So we've got as a church body to come together to understand what follow-up is. So 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9, this is why we got to tell because Satan seeks to destroy those uh, of the faith. These new converts, they just, they just find out this truth. And they need to understand this scripture here. So we don't even understand that scripture. Go ahead. What's it say? It says, be sober. Be, be sober. Be vigilant. Be vigilant. Because your adversary. Because your adversary. The devil. The devil. As a roaring lion. Now notice, as a roaring lion. Mm -hmm. See, new converts, they get to, oh, oh, man. I don't know, man. If they, everything, if people, are, my parents are talking bad about they're saying, you don't need to change that. I was a drug addict and my mom told me, you don't need to change that much, do you? Can you imagine? Imagine what, what comes against them, what roars against them after they get in church and they come and they get the Holy Ghost. They need that fellowship. They need it. Because why? There's going to be people that come against them and they're going to, like, Satan is a roaring lion, as a roaring lion. Amen? Why David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, a shadow of a lion never bit anybody. A shadow of a sword has never cut anybody. You hear what I'm saying? And he is, in a, he is as a roaring lion. In other words, he don't have any teeth. He can roar, but God pulled his teeth at Calvary. Yeah. Oh, man, I feel the Holy Ghost right there, man. Some of y'all got to understand, man, you think the old devil, the old devil, you got a hold of me. He's just gumming you like a dog that don't have any teeth. All he can do is just push down some pressure, put a little pressure on you, but he's not going to hurt you, amen? You got to understand, God's given you the power to overcome. Remember, you're more than a conqueror, not just a conqueror, amen? Mm -hmm. yeah. So a Christian is most vulnerable when he is not grounded in the faith. We got to make sure they come to church. If we got to pick them up, make sure they come to church. We used to pick them up all the time. Sister Aber got a whole big old carload of kids and took them to church and this one kid says uh he says uh he's talking to the other he said I, I don't know he said there's a church between that holiday gas station and they call it the holy roller coaster church and that was where sister Aver was taking them amen and the boy that she least thought would want it got the holy ghost and started preaching the word of god amen don't tell me god doesn't do stuff amen sister Aver helped establish him she fellowshiped him she encouraged him he was in a bad situation. She was from a bad situation. And, and man, they got to be friends. And Sister Abraham got that guitar and he got the preaching. And, and God got the blessing in that little old church. Amen. That little home missions church. Wasn't like this. Uh, they, it was in a house. And the house had a light bulb that came down. You can see the wires holding it up. That's what it was. Wasn't nothing pretty. Let me tell you something. When you're on fire for God and you want to fellowship God and you want to fellowship those new believers, it don't matter what the church looks like. God's going to bring them in because he knows that they're going to be taken care of. Amen? I know some people like those big churches so they could hide in the pew. And they could slip out right when the service is over. And if they don't show up, nobody knows. But, but that's not how a Christian's supposed to be. Now, a Christian's most vulnerable when, he is ground, when he's not grounded in the truth. And so it looks about Luke says that uh, there's some that are, like, that are on a rock, which they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root. In other words, they don't have any root, so they don't... They, they, they wither away. That's what you see people coming in. Because if they're not sufficiently fellowship, and think about it, and we, we, we become so introverted as Pentecostals. Man, when we're, we, we become undercover Christians. Amen? We, we have. We become undercover Christians. 
And see, that, that's, that's what the problem is in the hour that we're living in. It's not that God doesn't want to give us a revival. He just needs people to get ready. He, don't, he, he wants to make sure that when they come, they're going to be taken care of. And we need to look around, shake their hand, hug their neck, whatever it is. You need to let them know that, man, you, this is the friendliest and most exciting church in town. Now, I've told you all that three times now, so let's go ahead and say it together. This church, this church is the friendliest, the friendliest and most exciting, and most exciting church, in town. church in town. You ought to say that every time you come to church. Amen. This church is the friendliest and most exciting church in town. See, we Christians need to be assisted by older, mature Christians. Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Notice what it says. You've got to understand, there's people that are new. And, and, and we, get, we, we judge them so hard because they don't come in like we came in. I can't judge people that don't come in like I came in. They, they might not bid where I was. And the Bible said that the multitude was there with Jesus. And he said, we're going to feed them. And they said, oh, Jesus, we don't have any money. We only have two pity words. How are we going to feed all these people? He said, send them away. That's what the disciples said. And see, that's our attitude in the church. we got visitors that come that are hungry. They've traveled. But he went to send them away. Send them away. Jesus said, oh, no, no, no. We're going to feed them. You know what he says? Because some come from far. Some come from far. Some come further than others. You understand what I'm talking about? And so I don't judge people by what I see. I judge people what I know God's going to make them. Amen. And some come further from me. So if they don't get it the first time and the second time and the third time, I'm still going to nurture them. I'm still going to talk to them. I'm going to look them in the eye and tell them I'm glad you're here. Today is the day that God's going to change your life. That's what Jesus said. Some come from far. What did they do? After they fed them, Jesus said, pick up the basket full. They had how many disciples were there? Twelve. They picked up how many baskets? Twelve. And they went to the other side, right? And Jesus told them to pick up the baskets because he knew they were going to get hungry again. But when they got the boat and they got to going, what happened? It said they forgot the twelve. They forgot the baskets. See, that's what happens when you become a fat Pentecostal. When you come to church and get fed all the time. You come and get fed and fed, and you just come expecting to get fed. You don't have to, you don't have to pray. You don't have to fast. You don't have to witness. You don't have to just come. And, and what you do is, man, you just forget. And you go back out there, and you get going through the same trials or the same tribulations and tempted by the same situations because you just come to church, and you just get, oh, just feed me, feed me, feed me. But God's trying to tell you that he wants to change that situation in your life. He wants you to be an example for those that come from far. And I was on an airplane one time going to ALI up in, uh, in Massachusetts. And, and we left Pittsburgh. When we got in the airplane and we took off, all of a sudden this little girl comes on and she turns white as a ghost, man. She said, uh, uh, the tires blew out on the front of our plane when we took off and we heard it. And they said, we're going to have to empty the fuel. We're going to circle until the fuel's empty. Then we're going to make a landing. And they came out with the trucks to foam the, 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 uh, the side of the the uh, runway and everything. And so, man, the, everybody in there, man, they're scared. They're just, oh, and I'm sitting there. I said, man, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And they said, man, how can you say it's going to be okay? I said, because I got to I gotta teach at this ALI. And I said, they're expecting me to come, so I believe God's going to get me there. Amen. And so they looked at me like I was crazy. There was a nun over there, and she, was, she, she wore them beads out in about five minutes. Boy, she had them beads wore out. And, and there were people, and, and when they landed and they pulled that door open and that chute come down, guess what? Men started pushing women out of the way just to get out. 
I just waited to help everybody because I'm going to talk to that pilot. Because when he brought it down, he brought it down and they had he go, and he bring it back. No wheels. And we skid a little bit off, not very much. But after everybody else got up, I said, man, are you going to fly my next plane? He says, why? I said, you know what you're doing, man. I want to fly with you. See, everybody else was all tore up because something bad was happening. But I knew that God had a testimony, amen. Oh, y'all, y'all think I'm joking. I'm not joking, man. We went in there, and they gave us free lunches. And they gave us this little deal that we can go get lunch. And so I sat down, and there was two other guys sitting right beside me that was on the plane. And they, they were still shook up. And, and I saw the Catholic priest that was coming. And there was this kind of a glass between this side and that side, kind of like a shower glass where you can't see in, you know, in your shower. And so I saw the priest come by, and he comes and sits down opposite of me. I could just see the figure. And so I, those guys look at me. We're talking about I'm witnessing to them. And so I knock on that glass. Oh, 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 oh. And the uh, guy said, uh, yeah. I said, are you a priest? He said, yeah. I said, Father, forgive me, for I know not what I've done. And he come up off that table. He looked over. What? I said, I always wanted to say that. I just wanted to know. And so I got to talk to him. I said, where are you a priest at? He said, I'm a priest in Uniontown. That was where I was pastoring at, man. Don't tell me God don't know what he's doing. Don't tell me he didn't put that plane down right there for me to be able to say that to them and see those two guys watch me talk to that priest. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. My God is real. Man, take control of it. Romans 15:1. Are we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves, the Bible says. Amen. Man, God. Uh, Galatians 6, 1 and 2. Go ahead. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Now notice, this is what he's telling the church. He said, brother, a man be overtaken in a fault. Now you see somebody, they fall. Don't, don't judge them. If a backslider comes and backslider, you don't say, oh, I knew it. Amen. See a man overtaken in a fault. Ye which are spiritual. Oh. Mm. Ye that are spiritual. Restore such a one. Restore such a one. Don't talk about him. Don't go tell somebody, did you hear what so-and-so did? Did you hear about No, no. And they ought to grieve you. Yeah. you. Restore such a one what? In the spirit of meekness. In the spirit of meekness. He's talking to a young preacher. Spirit of meekness. That's what he's telling them. Spirit of meekness. Considering thyself. Considering thyself. Lest thou also be tempted. Lest thou also be tempted. You ever been tempted? Be careful. And you start judging, you'll be judged. Be careful. You start talking about somebody else's problem, and you're going to, have to see your problems going to come in front of you. So it says, we then that are spiritual, now I like that, we then are spiritual, uh, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And then notice what it says. Bear what? Bear one another's burdens. Oh, man. Man, when we were in the army, when we were in boot camp, they put us out on patrol, man. And they had, it's kind of like a war game. And, and man, when they start hitting at you, boy, pop, 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 pop. Of course, that wasn't real. <laughs> you still had a drill sergeant that was barking at you. And if you ever left that guy that was your partner, and you got back to that point where everybody was supposed to meet and they asked you, where's your partner? But you're in trouble. Because we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now, notice what it says. It says, restoring uh, one in the spirit of meekness, considering ourselves, lest thou be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. 
learn how to bear your friend's burdens, your, fa your family in the church burden. Learn how to pray for them. Learn how to help them through that situation when they're disappointed, when they're discouraged. Yeah. You got to learn how to pray for them. Amen. Amen. Romans 15 one says, we didn't are strong to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now look at me. Potential for change in a new Christian. There's a potential of change. Potential of change. We talked about that. The new convert has just expressed godly sorrow and repentance. So, man, they came down. They saw who Jesus was, so they repented. So that is when you're best likely to get them to let you have a Bible study, to invite them to go out and eat after the service. Brother, you know how much it costs to eat? Go buy a pizza. Split it up. You, you got to understand that's why I'm here, because people did that for me. Now, number two, it says, uh, <clears throat> so a new convert has just expressed godly soul repentance. <clears throat> so their desire to change and to do what is right is at its peak. It's right there. And notice what Acts 16, 15 says. And when she was baptized. When she was baptized. And her household. And her household. She besought us, saying. She besought what? She besought us, she besought saying. Us saying if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord. If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord because I've gotten baptized. Come into my house. He said, come to my house. And abide there. And abide there. And she constrained us. And he could, she constrained him. In other words, man, she needed that fellowship. She had got baptized. She had gotten an experience with God. And she needed somebody to solidify that, to, to take her. She wanted them to come in. She wanted them to be a part of her life. Because that was the most vulnerable part of her. Uh, her message was that she's ready for God. And that's when you jump. That's when you get in there. That's when you tell them about how great God is. And let me tell you, so you know what you felt in this church? This is the most exciting and friendliest church in town. Y'all laugh. In Guyana, it was pitiful. Church with boards missing and uh, termite tracks all over the walls where the wood was missing. It was horrible. Had about 25 people in it. Maybe three were saved. And I just got there and started hammering it. It was called All Nations Tabernacle, the friendliest, the most exciting church in town. I started saying that every service, every service, every service. Then I went and got a sign, and I said, you know what, we're going to paint this place. And, man, we got the boards. We got it all fixed up. We painted it, put All Nations Tabernacle leadership uh, serve center up on the top, and, and we put up a sign that said, uh, all Nations Tabernacle, the friendliest, the most exciting church in town. And people would actually come by and say that. The girl stops by and she says, is it really the friendliest church in town? And boy, them other girls in the church went and got her. She came, she got the Holy Ghost. Uh, her parents were, her mom was Hindu, her two little brothers uh, and, and her sister. And they, they came to God and God blessed them and they all got baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. You, you know what I'm saying? Because she saw that sign that said the friendliest, most exciting church. A lot of people go to church, but they don't go to the friendliest and most exciting church in town. When they walk in, they ought to feel that this is the friendliest and most exciting church in town. They ought to be like, whoo, I felt something in that place. Oh, I'm scared. I'm going to scare them. Dude, they paint their face. They take their shirt off and uh, 20 below zero and put their team mascot logo on them and scream and holler. Think this is going to embarrass somebody? Not me, man. When I saw them young people running, them old people jumping up, I said, Ooh, I want that. I want that. And that's what most people want. They want to see the friendliest, the most exciting.
Eastside New Church in town. Amen. So to their desire, uh, there's a desire to change and do what is right, and it's at its peak. So look at number three. It says, given proper direction at this time, must, uh, must, uh, much progress can be accomplished. If, if you give them uh, proper direction, that's when they need that direction. That's when they need that Bible study to understand what took place in their life. And when you do that, you give them that, God begins to make much progress in their life. And they, it, it begins to accomplish things in their life. And they begin to want to come to church and worship God and tell people about who Jesus is. See, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to generate uh, atmosphere and attitude in people that they understand that this is the friendliest church, the most exciting church. And back in the day, in the, uh, in the 30s and stuff, that, that's when uh, you had Macy's. It was the biggest department store in the world. There wasn't a store bigger than that. You could buy anything. Just get in Macy's. If you got in Macy's, you could buy Bobby Pitts. You could buy a Bible. You could buy an Asian rug, a Persian rug. You could buy whatever you want. You could even buy a horse in Macy's at that time. You could buy anything you want. Just get in Macy's. You didn't just have to go in Macy's and get something like we do here and run to Walmart to get something else and go to Dollar Tree to get something else. We don't know, no, no. That, that's not what we're talking about here. When you get in Jesus, you don't have to go anywhere else, amen? When you get in the most exciting church in town, you don't have to look anywhere else because you're not looking because you found what you were looking for. And they need to be fellowshiped to the place that they desire to take somebody else into that same room of, uh, of love and excitement that they have. Right. Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, uh, notice new converts are the most powerful people. A new convert that, that gets the Holy Spirit baptized, they're dangerous. They're dangerous. I mean, when you got the Holy Ghost, whoo. When I got the Holy Ghost, I knocked on everybody's door. I sold drugs to told them what happened. Asked them to forgive me. Stores I stole out of, I went and gave them more money than what I thought I stole from them and, and witnessed to them, told them about what Jesus did for me. See, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about uh, the Second Corinthians 7 11. Notice 7 11, uh, and notice what it says here. For behold, the self same thing that you sorrowed after. So this a is a new convert. Sword. The self same thing that new convert sorrowed after. Go ahead. They sorrowed after a godly sort. They, they, they came up for a godly sort. Y'all see what I'm saying? That sorrow that they had, what they felt at that service, they came up. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. It says what carefulness it wrought. Now, when you. they started coming down, they didn't come down talking about the football game. They didn't come down talking about the baseball game. They didn't come down talking about some kind of quarry. They came down, and, and they came down carefully, it says. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, when God grips you, when you see who Jesus is, when you get broken by that revelation, you come down carefully. Yep. See, that's a new convert. They come down carefully. Go ahead. Yea, what clearing of yourself. And they start clearing themselves. God, forgive me for all these things. I never knew this was possible, God. I want you to forgive me for this, and I want you to forgive me for that, God. And you start just opening up your heart, and you just start, they started clearing themselves. They come down carefully, then they clear themselves. Go ahead. Yea, what indignation. And boy, there was indignation. That means they got, they started getting a strong hatred for sin. The more you stay at that altar, the more you begin to hate sin, that strong indignation, that hatred of sin because you're seeing sin the way God sees it. So you come down carefully, you clear yourself, and you say, oh, I can't believe I did those kind of things. And you get this indignation that I'll never go back to that. Yep. Go ahead. Yea, what fear. And this is yea, what fear. That word fear there, that means knee knocking and nail biting. It means respect. 
when they came down carefully they cleared themselves they saw sin the way God saw it they respected God too much to turn around and do it and go back to their old way you see what I'm saying they, they respected God too much that's why I'm still here after I got the Holy Ghost nobody had to tell me I just respected it. that's why I took that chain off and said number one I went down and got a haircut got that afro on hey that boy's not gonna send you hell I don't know but it didn't because I got rid of it I just I didn't like what I saw in the mirror I knew what God wanted and I was brand new but there was this indignation this strong hatred for sin and then that respect for God go ahead Yea, what vehement desire. And then what vehement desire, that means a strong, passionate love for God, man. You look at the new convert when they come down carefully, they clear themselves. They see sin the way God sees it. And they respect God too much to go back to their old ways. And they get this vehement, this, all of a sudden there's this love for God. This, they just have a love for God. They just want to, uh, they just lift their hands and they're speaking in tongues. They're crying. And it's just washing all that sin, that salt of the world is coming out of them. And God's purified salt purifies you remember that amen salt purifies amen when it purifies amen, they just lift their hands and they just love god and they're just worshiping god go ahead what's next yay what zeal what zeal man that's why new converts have zeal because they just they just found the friendliest and most exciting church in town they came down carefully cleared themselves saw sin the way god saw it, respected god too much to go back and do it again yep. they had this vehement desire to do the will of god and they got the zeal now to do it. That's why new converts jump. Man, when we, with all the 11, 12 of us guys got the Holy Ghost, we were all in our 20s, and we sat on that front row, and we'd shout and jump, amazing, great. We didn't care what was singing. We're going to shout. You know why? Because we knew what God did in our life. We came down carefully. But here's the best part. This is why new converts need this attention right now. When they come down carefully, and they have this vehement desire. And what was next? Yea, what revenge. Revenge. Now, what does that mean? How can repentance bring revenge? Man, that's why new converts are so dangerous. Man, they come down drug addicts. They come down alcoholics. They come down with a filthy mouth. They come down immoral. And when they come down carefully and clear themselves, see sin the way God sees it, and they, they say, I'm not going to ever go back to that way again. And they got this vehement desire to do the will of God. God gives them that zeal. Now they got revenge on the devil. You know, I used to spend my whole paycheck in the world every Friday night, but now I pay my tithes and I get revenge on the devil. Every time you pay your tithes, you get revenge on the devil. Every time I used to shout at the dances and jump up and down at dances, but now every time I jump up and you want to know why I worship God the way I do, I get revenge on the devil every time. Because back in 1980, God set me free because I came down carefully. But somebody fellowshiped me. Somebody taught me. Somebody cared for me. And man, I'm going to tell you what, we tore that church up, man. I feel sorry for my pastor. I'm serious, man. I, I, we'd probably give him a nervous breakdown. Because, man, we'd witness to everybody. We didn't care who it was, man. We'd witness. We witnessed all the time. We'd bring alcoholics. And, and I remember one time, man, God told me one Sunday that I was going to have three souls. God said, You're going to have three souls. And, and so, man, it comes church time. That's a Sunday night. We used to have two services on Sunday. And, uh, and so I'm driving, and I don't have a soul. And I'm driving around, driving around. And then uh, I go to the house, and Sheriff Herta calls me and says, Hey, I got these two drunks that are fixing to get out, and uh, they're going to need a place. Can you take them somewhere? I said, Yeah, we got church tonight. I'd take them to church. I had two alcoholics that I'd witnessed to in the jail that day earlier. And, and so uh, 
I go and I picked him up and I got this Monte Carlo. They're sitting in the back seat. And man, we're driving around. And they, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to find that third person. God told me I was going to have three people. And so I'm driving around, I'm driving around. And they, they got to laughing at me. They got to say, now, maybe, maybe he didn't hear God right. That's what they said. Maybe he just said two. He, I said, no, he said three. And I, I saw this backslider, uh, Donnie West. And I looked over at him. And he saw me, and his eyes got about as big as silver. Now he took off running across this football field, man. I drove around to the other side and called him. I said, get in, Donnie, you're going to church. I don't want to go, you're going to church, get in. And man, he got in, he said, will you take him by the house, let me change clothes? Cause he, he was nasty. And I said, yeah, I took him by the house, and man, he never came back out. And I went up the door and I said, Miss West, I said, where's Donnie? Oh, he went out the bathroom window, he's gone. When I got back in that car, them, them, them two, drug, them two uh, alcoholics, they say, uh-huh, I'm on two drums. Ah, so you didn't hear God right. God didn't say three. Where's your third person? I mean, they're telling me this. Don't even know me, except for that Sunday afternoon when I preach there. And so I'm driving, just kind of, I don't know what to do. Church has already started. So I drive up to the uh, church right when you make that last turn to the right to go down uh, Golden Avenue. I saw this hippie jump out of the back of a truck, and he'd have a shirt on. Uh, he had a duffel bag, and he had long red hair, and he was smoking a Marlboro. And he jumps out of the back of that truck and says, okay, thank you, man. And I hit them brakes. And them old two drunks looked at me. You know how the car sounds when you put it in reverse? And I come up there and say, hey, where are you going? He said, I'm going to Matagorda. I said, that's 24 miles down the road. I said, if you'll come to church with me tonight. I said, there's people in their church that live in Matagorda, and they'll take you tonight. He said, praise God, I just got saved at a Jimmy Swaggart concert. I said, hop in. When he jumped in, I turned to them two drunks. I said, God said three. Amen. <laughs> God said three. I'm going to tell you something. You want to get excited? You want this to be the most exciting and friendliest church there? Just, just go for it. Just go for it. Ask God to give you somebody, man. Ask God to change your life, to give you that joy that somebody else wants. So we get to church, and church already started. And the only place to set them was on the front row on the, on the other side. And so, man, we thought I took them over and put them on that front row on the other side. And they're both there looking at too drunk. They're already wanting to drink. And, and they all wanted a cigarette. And they're just sitting there. Tom Foster was preaching. He was preaching like a house on fire, man. He got to preach. He said, oh, Hubert Harper, he used to be a motorcycle, in a motorcycle gang. He, had, he used to have a big old beard and everything, you know, tattoos. And he said, oh, Hubert Harper, God healed him. And, man, he got up, and, he, and our church is kind of like this one, but we had an aisle on both outsides and one middle. And so we had this colonial wood, real nice colonial wood, over the two doors behind, beside the pulpit going out that way. And so he got up, and he goes, Woo! And he takes off running. And he runs around this side of the church, and them two drunks and druggies, they just looked at him. And he's running that way. And everybody got silent because, Woo! 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 Sounded like a wild Indian, man. And he runs down the back of the church. And he's coming down the other side. He's making a corner. He's on his home stretch. And he's running with his eyes closed, screaming and hollering. And the door's shut. And when he gets there, he opens his eyes right before he gets there. And he jumps up and he grabs that colonial wood. And he pulls it right off the church. <laughs> and he turns and he looks. At, he looks at the congregation. And Brother Moore said, oh, my God. Tom Foster quit preaching. My two drunks and a drug, they said, amen. And they all got baptized in Jesus' name, amen, and got the Holy. Don't tell me God can't give it to y'all. It's there, you just gotta want it. 
You gotta want it. You gotta want to see people saved. But you gotta fellowship them. You gotta fellowship them. Somebody say praise the Lord. You gotta fellowship them. That's the main thing, fellowship them. I'll never get through this, but I, I give, uh, I give brother uh, the whole copy of these this two lessons, and y'all can get that from him. He'll tell y'all how to do that. Because I knew I wasn't gonna get this. But here's what it is: uh, uh, you have to have a desire, uh, uh, a desire to change. Uh, it's got to be cultivated. You hear what I'm saying? Because if it's not cultivated, discouragement and apathy can develop. That's why people come to church, get the Holy Ghost, get excited, but nobody fellowships them. There's no no family. There's nothing there for them. And so uh, apathy sets in, and they quit coming to church. They'll miss this. They'll miss that. And let me tell you something, when you start, when you start getting involved in their life, don't, don't sell them out. Don't, don't, well, I can't make it this week, or I can't make, no. You make a commitment. See, that's the problem, churches. Nobody makes commitments. That's why, you know, in the 80s, when I got the Holy Ghost, man, if somebody got divorced, it was like, oh. The whole church fell on their faces and prayed. But now, man, people, they don't, their commitment to marriage, it don't mean anything. They get married, divorced, married, divorced, married, divorced. They just go at it. But see, that's what I'm saying. You've got to let them understand that, that you've got to cultivate their life. You've got to cultivate the Holy Ghost in them. And y'all live in an agricultural place. And cultivation is the physical act of plowing and breaking up the existing ground, and it turns the ground upside down. Amen? It turns the ground upside down. That's what it does. And so after it's cultivated, usually, now I don't know how it is in California, but you, you, you get your land ready a year, and then the next year's when you plant. You've got to cultivate it. You've got to get it ready for that crop, amen? So it takes longer than you think. You don't just go cultivate it, put seed in, it grows up, and you don't, oh, that's it. See, that's how we act with new converts that God gives us. We just, we don't cultivate them. We don't, we don't work with them. What did Jesus say when he saw the fig tree that, that it, it didn't produce anything? They said, should we cut it? He said, no, just, he said, uh, dung around it. Uh, you know, fertilize it another year. Well, it's already been a year, Lord. Let me tell you something. Sometimes you just got to keep working with people. Don't you ever give up on people. If they got a breath, man, you, you got to understand that God's trying to show them God's trying to show them. So cultivation is turning the ground upside down. That's what you're doing. You're turning the ground upside down. And if you do that, then you're able to understand what God's trying to do. He wants to break up that fallow ground. Notice what the Bible says, cultivation. Notice what he says. Um, For cultivation uh, of new converts, we need, above all things, time and conversation. You've got to have time and conversation. That's why social media is killing us. Because it takes away eye-to-eye contact conversation. You can't see the lost in their eyes. The Bible said that they turned the world what? Upside down. down. So see this? That's not right side up. Now it's right side up when you turn it upside down. Because you can't get nothing out of it right there. And that's what God does to somebody's life. He, they think they turned it upside down, but he turned it right side up, amen? Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. You need to start looking at things the way God sees them. This church is powerful. This church can have revival. But you've got to want it. You've got to want it with all your heart. you got to say this is the friendliest and most exciting church in town. Amen. Social media is structured in a way that encourages the collection of scores of acquaintances that you don't even really know. 
And you get your worth with how many people's on your, whatever that's called. Facebook. I don't have Facebook. I like face to face. Amen. I want to be able to see them. And so it, it, it's, it's structured that way. It, it, it changes the situation. You have acquaintances, but you really don't know, uh, that you really don't know. But rather than cultivating a new convert that uh, you can know one-on-one. That's why you got to cut back time on that other stuff and start meeting people one-on-one, getting Bible studies with them, talking to them, letting them know they're important, uh, identifying their person, like I said. Make sure you know who they are and talk to them and tell them, say, hey, man, I go to the friendliest, most exciting church in town. And watch, watch the reaction in their face. And you, you tell them, man, you know what? God changed my life. Then you just take, starts walking it, feeling out how it's going to go. Sometimes I just get their phone number and their name and call them a couple of days. Say, hey, I so enjoyed talking to you. I, I enjoyed it so much. I, I was on the airplane. Sister Aber had a tubal pregnancy, and she got real sick, and they had to rush her to the emergency room. And I was on deputation in Missouri, and uh, they called me and said, oh, you need to get home as soon as possible. And so I carried a book with me all the time, a notebook. It was the eight steps from death to life, not the oneness of God. And so, man, uh, I said, five souls, devil. I told y'all that's what I say, right? Five souls, devil. And so uh, I, I get on that little shuttle bus after I park my car. I get on the shuttle bus, and I'm witnessing somebody. They don't want to hear me, man. I witnessed the four people. They didn't want to hear me. And so I get on the airplane, and I sit down in my seat. And when I sit down in my seat, I start talking to this guy beside me. And he says, really? He said, I, he said well, I kind of go to church, but I really don't go to church. And I had that, that white notebook that said, uh, the eight steps from death to life. And this, this black man, I mean, so, uh, what would I, how do you describe it? Distinguished. No telling how much his suit cost was tied. He was just so just perfect in every way. He reaches over, his shoes probably cost more than my car did <laughs> And, and he tapped me on the shoulder. He said, excuse me. He said, uh, what's that about? I said, it's about uh, uh, the eight steps from death to life. So I start witnessing over here again. He said, I said, yes, sir. He said, excuse me. He said, but uh, do you mind if I look at that? I said, oh, no, no. Take a look at it. So I get witnessing over there, and I'm watching him. He's reading it. He's reading it. And by the time we get to Houston, he says, uh, uh, I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. I said, yes, sir. He said, there's only one God. He said, I'm a Baptist preacher. I got a church of over 900 people. He said, when I go back, I'm going to tell them about this. And I give them, uh, I give them the number of the man that gave me that study, man. And, and he called them later on. And he had baptized half his church, lost half of them, but baptized half of them. You know why? Because somebody was in the harvest field. Somebody was there. I was witnessing. I was taking control of the circumstance. I wasn't letting the fact that Sister Aver wasn't doing well. Oh, that's bad, Brother Aber. No, I knew who God is. I knew God had his hand on her. I knew there were some women in that church there who knew how to pray. But there's old uh, Mr. Brooks, Pastor Brooks, man, crying right there talking to me. Oneness of God. Just read it. Just read it. See, we got to understand that people are hungry. It don't matter what they are. It don't matter if they're Catholic, it don't matter if they're Baptist, it don't matter if they're, they're atheists, it don't matter when you get them in the presence of God, there's nothing they can do but understand that God's desiring to be in relationship with them. And that's what it takes for church. So therefore we need to encourage the transformation process of the new Christian. We got to encourage them. 
to let them know that God wants to do something in their life. And in Acts 17, 6, Sister Abby, we're not going to read it, but it talks about Paul going to Thessalonica, and he begins to teach. And the Bible says in verse 4, and some of them believed and, and consorted to Paul and Silas. That means they attached themselves. They, they, they hooked up with them because they, they liked what they heard. And of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and the chief women, not a few. That means many prominent women came to that also. I'm here to tell you, friend, that you'll just have to get the down and out. I've seen God touch lawyers in front of a 7-Eleven and get a hold of them and come to church and them and his wife. God put their marriage back together, filled them with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. Don't tell me God's just looking for the one that's down and out. He's looking for the one that's full of pride. Trying to hide behind success. But behind that shield of success is incompleteness. Sister Aver had colleges right in her. She was in sports and uh, uh, track and field and, and softball. When she was a sophomore in high school, they were right there because she was still, her parents owned a sporting goods store. And, and God got a hold of it. You know what she said? She said all these trophies, all these medals that she had, well, she'd go to bed and tears would run down her face because she said, there's got to be more than this, God. A little old 15-year-old girl at the time, right, 15? And, and tears running down her face. And she said, there has to be more than this. She was hungry, so what does she do? She goes to a, 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 a Christian church, and, and she goes there, but she's not finding any satisfaction. There's got to be more than this. got to be more than this. Gotta, with that little old, that little old house, with the light bulb, guitar over there, no strings on it, beat-up guitar. She gets the Holy Ghost, gets baptized. Jesus' name. She asked the pastor if she could have that guitar. And she said, yeah. She strung it up, started teaching herself how to play the guitar, singing in the church. She started having church, man. She started loading up people, bringing them to church. Visitors, bringing them to church, getting them to come. See, that's when you know that you want to do the will of God. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmity of the need. And this world's weak right now. And they're, they're hungry for something to happen. And so it, it tells us that, that there was many that believed. And then you go down to verse number 11. It says uh, that they went to Berea. Now, he left Thessalonica because the, the Jews that were there, the pre man, they rose up against them and tried to get them in trouble, tried to get Jason in trouble. But Jason, they're not causing a problem. And so they let them go. But, but they moved to Berea. And when they get to Berea, notice what it says. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night into Berea, who coming hit thither, went into the synagogue of the Jews. Man, he just lands in the city, and he goes to the synagogue of the Jews, and notice what he says. says these were more noble than those... He said, those these right here in this little house, in this synagogue, are more noble... Than those in Thessalonica. Than those that were in Thessalonica. The same group of people, same faith. Mm -hmm. But these were noble. They weren't. They didn't want it. There was some that got it, but the majority of them run them out of town. But notice what it says here. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why were they more noble? In that they received the word. In that they received the word. With all readiness all of mind. Readiness of what? Of mind. Of mind. They searched the scriptures. They searched the scriptures. Daily. Daily. Whether those things were so. Whether the things were so. See, that's what God wants us to do with new people. When we bring them in, we want them to get so involved in the Word of God that they don't just listen to it and become a fat cat like most of us and just sit there like a lump on law. He wants them to search the Scriptures daily to see if it's so. Don't just take the Word for it. Learn the Word of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed. 
rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. Yeah. Man, I'm telling you, this church is ripe for revival. This church is ripe to see souls come in. But we got to prepare ourselves mentally. We got to prepare ourselves spiritually. And we got to say, we're willing to make this commitment, God, that if you bring them, we will fellowship them. If you bring them, we'll look out after them. If you bring them, we'll do whatever we can to keep them in this church. Amen. I got to finish up. So, the early church was effective in producing spiritual multiplication. See, they were able to multiply. See, growth in the early church was described by multiplying. Look at Acts 6, 7. And the word of God increased. And the word of God. See, when the word of God increases in you, notice what happens when the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied. And the number of the disciples multiplied. In Jerusalem greatly. In Jerusalem greatly. You, you, you hear what that says? Yep. Oh, man, I want you to know, man, that word is powerful. It's sharper. And the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem. See, that's the problem. See, the devil, he, he doesn't use addition and multiplication. He uses, uh, uh, he uses division and, and, and uh, uh, subtraction. God adds and multiplies, amen? The devil never adds and multiplies. He wants to subtract. He wants to divide. That's why he wants to divide the church. He wants you to get involved in other things outside the fact of, hey, this church is fixing to multiply, and I better prepare myself for what's going to come. Amen. Yeah. And the word of God increased in the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. Even priests started coming in, man. They started walking in. That. Why? They were in the friendliest and most exciting church in that town at that time. There wasn't anything better than this. It was better than that old dried up religion, that old wine skin, amen. God gave them some new wine, but they had to get a new wine skin. Amen. Notice what it says in Acts 9.31. Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee. He said, then had the churches, then had the churches what? Rest. Man, I'm going to tell you what, you get involved with this, you work as hard as you can. It says, and then the churches had rest throughout all of Judea and Galilee. And what's it say? And Samaria and were edified. And were edified. See, when you start having revival, when you start seeing souls come in, and you begin to work with those souls, and you begin to not only just add them, but multiply. You begin to teach them how to, to multiply themselves. You see what I'm saying? And, and so when you see all that, the Bible says you're going to find rest, and you're going to be edified. Man, you're going you're to feel something that you never felt before. Man, you're going to be so excited, you can't wait, man. You can't wait to tell somebody else about Jesus, man. You get somebody to come get the Holy Ghost, get baptized, and get them a Bible study. Oh, man, watch out, world, because now you got confidence. Now you know you have faith in God. Now I'm not scared of anybody because I saw what God did to a sinner. Amen. Come on, church, you got to get real, man. Yes. Notice Acts 12, 24. But the word of God grew and multiplied. Now the word of God grew and multiplied. So contrast spiritual multiplication with spiritual addition. Spiritual addition involves the leading people to Jesus Christ, but that's all. You just lead them to Jesus Christ. That's addition. But spiritual multiplication involves leading people to Jesus Christ, then developing them until they are leading others to Jesus Christ. You want them like the God did to me. Took me to the prayer room for every day for one month and after the month threw me the keys to now you go get somebody and bring them to the prayer room you see what I'm talking about teach people how to multiply oh man you'll be so excited man we got a spiritual multiplication involved 
four stages. It involves evangelizing. It involves follow-up. It involves reproducing and multiplying. Without follow-up, spiritual multiplication does not happen. Amen? Suppose you develop just one truly multiplying Christian every year, and that one develops one, and then the next year, the next one develops one, and the next one develops one. In, in five years, you'll have 32 people that you were involved in and getting in church. In 10 years, you'd have 1,024 people. If everybody just wins one a year, one a year, one a year, getting somebody to be established one a year, saying, God, my goal is to get that one in this church. Get that one, then I'm going to get another one, then I'm going to get another one. Amen. See, that's what God's trying to do for us. He's trying to show us what, 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 really, what it really means. Amen? Man, I'm here to tell you, friend, uh, and I'm closing right here. I know this time I'm kind of going over. But, but you, got, you got the, I'm not an artist, okay? This is a church. There's the steeple. Open it up. There's the people. And this is a reservoir. And this reservoir comes into here. And so what you got to do, the church is empty. So what do you do? You start witnessing. You start witnessing, 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 witnessing. Did I already do this for y'all? Witnessing, 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 witnessing. What are you doing? I'm filling up my reservoir. You know, I, I, I'm not going to reap a harvest every time I talk to somebody. But every time I talk to somebody, I fill up my reservoir. And God's given me a reservoir. He's given me people for me to talk to, for people me to meet. For me, people, for me to go and try to tell them about who Jesus Christ is. So I witness and I witness. And all of a sudden now, when the reservoir starts filling up, now you begin to get somebody to trickle in. Amen. And when somebody trickles in, that's what happens. When somebody trickles in, then all of a sudden you see what God's going to do. And so I started just doing it. But I didn't quit when they started coming in. Because when they come in, man, God begins to change things, man. God gave me uh, 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 Joe Fowler. And God gave me Ted Arlando. And God gave me Ed DePizzo and Ed DePizzo's wives and Ed DePizzo's dad and Ed DePizzo's mom. And God gave me Philip and God, uh, God gave me uh, Mark Hutspeth and God gave me my little brother and God gave me my mother and my little sister. And, and God uh, brought Larry uh, Oliver to me and his two kids and he won uh, Ken and Cass there and Chris there. And see, see what's happening now? See what's happening when you get excited about what God's doing? And man, God begins to do. There was a guy I went to high school with, come to find out. He was a butcher at a, at a, a Stanley store where Sister Aber worked. And, and so I went and witnessed to him, took him fishing one night. And man, uh, got old Hogan and his wife came to church. And then we had uh, Alvin Pettit. He came in. He was an alcohol, alcoholic, a drug addict that I met. Witness to him, brought him in, man. God began to deal with him. We had Jimmy come in. Jimmy, he was a young boy. He got the Holy Ghost. He's from a troubled family, man. And it's, uh, he, he didn't know anything about God. And so he gets the Holy Ghost, and we teach him, and we began to talk to him and everything. And so uh, he, he lives in Rosenberg. And he goes, so he goes to the church in Rosenberg. They don't know him. And he just got the Holy Ghost, you know, that, that midweek service. And he's there at that Sunday service in Rosenberg, little church. And so he's sitting on the front row, and he's got five Bibles. <laughs> he said, why you got five Bibles? He said, well, I, I, I just got the Holy Ghost, and I didn't know which one I needed, so I just bought five different times. Y'all go ahead and laugh. Zeal. Revenge. So the pastor said, it's a small church. We're having a barbecue. We got tickets here. The tickets are $10 a piece. And so we're going to, uh, we want y'all to take those tickets and uh, spread them out and sell them and bring them back. And so when church was over, uh, the pastor, uh, he didn't see Jimmy anymore. And he looked and the whole basket was gone. 
He took every one of them. I think it was 250. And the pastor said, oh, man, I don't know that guy. I don't even know where he lives. He's got all these barbecue tickets. He's going to get money. And what if he don't come back, you know? And man, he got to worrying. And so uh, it was the next service. Jimmy comes in there, and the pastor said, man, where you been? He said, hey, you got any more of those tickets? I done sold all of them. Here's the money for them right there. You know what it was? That zeal. He had that zeal, and he was getting revenge on the devil. The devil had tore his life apart. He was a young boy. But God said, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to change that situation, amen. Come on, you need to get excited about what God's going to do. Man, God blessed us. We had, uh, Maria had cancer in Costa Rica, and God healed her, and we saw God heal her. Jim Rice was a guy in jail, and he got the Holy Ghost, got baptized in jail. And then we had Ron Heater. Uh, he got the Holy Ghost in jail, took and got his wife, Linda, and they both got the Holy Ghost, got baptized in Jesus' name. And then uh, we went over there. And, uh, there was a, I, I had those young guys with me. I was telling them, young guys, you got to learn how to witness to people, man. You got to be bold. And so we're driving down the road, seriously, driving down the road from my house, and I got a, a pickup load of kids, uh, you know, like teenagers, and this guy's walking down the highway, leaving Bay City, and his face is just, uh, there's no skin on it. It swole up. You couldn't even see his eyes, his nose, no skin, forehead, no skin, nothing. He was limping down the road. And so uh, we were all talking, and when we passed him, uh, one of the boys said, I hope he's not a boxer because he lost. And, man, I hit them brakes right there. I said, God, forgive me. I said, so the kids did forgive me, Lord. And I backed up and I turned around went over there. I said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to Washington, D.C. That's where I'm from. I said, well, why don't you come and uh, come with me? I got some fresh clothes for you. And my, my wife's sister's going to be cooking some fried chicken and stuff. And I want you to come and uh, we'll feed you and take you to church. And so he gets in the living room. Sister Edward pulls out a guitar and starts singing. Never met the guy before in my life. Don, just a hitchhiker. Sister Edward gets singing. He starts crying. And he felt sorry for him because he was in so much pain. He'd gotten beaten up. He went to apply for a job. He went through the wrong part of town, and he got beat up, beat up bad, bad. And so after we're sitting there, he says, uh, we didn't have church that night. We had my living room. And uh, I said, man, I said, you, you know, I told him who Jesus was, and he said, I, I see that. And I said, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. He said, well, can you do that now? And we were in revival uh, with this young man. And so I called him up, and uh, he was at the church. And I said, hey, look, I got this guy that needs to be baptized. Brother Moore's not here. I'm going to bring him up to the church. When we got him up to church, that guy, that preacher, evangelist, he freaked out. He didn't you know what to do. And uh, we got him in the water. We baptized him in Jesus' name. It was on a Saturday night. Baptized him in Jesus' name. Brought him up out of the water. He was speaking in tongues. The Spirit of God gave the other. He stayed with us that night. Next day, he went to church. And when he got there, all the little kids were scared to death of him because he looked like a monster, man. I paid his airfare. Of course, airfare wasn't a whole lot back then. It was a lot of money back then for us, too. But I paid his airfare to send him home to his parents. And he said, I'll never forget this. Brother. Never forget this. See, I, I don't care. You've got to make the commitment. You've got to come to the place where that's the most important thing in your life is that, that you'll do those things. And you'll see God do those. Amen. And, and God gave me Philip Hooker that I was in the Army with and Gary Hasha. And, and God, God gives me Rick Bloomer. And God just keeps adding to the church. But if I quit, if I quit witnessing, it's going to go down, and then all of a sudden it's going to dry up. But God said this church needs to multiply. 
And the only way it's going to multiply is if we start witnessing and filling up that reservoir and you're going to start seeing people come in and people going to come in you're going to see that God adds to the church daily such as should be saved. Because this is the friendliest and most exciting church in town. I, I got so many more I could tell you about. I got so many more that I could, I, I could just share with you, man. Uh, man, Steve the hitchhiker looked me up after four years after uh, he saw me. Uh, man, I, it, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And God, God just gives you people. God gives you people. God just keeps giving you, giving you, giving you. Parker, guy with school with, called me up. So I, I got, I got, it, I got uh, I'm going to say some insurance. Greatest insurance in the world called A.O. Williams. I said, come on. He drove all the way from Amarillo, all the way down to Bay City, Texas. And when he gets there, I said, he said, he had to flip chart. Now, look, this is what you got to do. You got to, you got to uh, buy uh, life, uh, uh, term insurance. And then, you know, it's going to cross. You put that money that you did whole life, put it over here. And I said, whoa, whoa. I said, wait a second. I said, Hold on. I said, I need to tell you about Jesus. Hadn't seen him since high school. He said, I'm Baptist. I'll always be Baptist. I said, I didn't ask you. You want to be a Baptist? I said, let me tell you what the Bible says. And man, right there, I started teaching. And he knelt down. He was in a suit, man. Haircut. Nice. He got small burrows in his pocket. He knelt down and got repenting and just crying. Talking. I said, we got church tonight. You coming with me? So he said, okay. So he comes to church. He's wearing a suit. Sunday night, wearing a suit. Brother Keith Clark's preaching. He's sitting on the second row right over there. You know, Brother Keith Clark didn't, wasn't even in the deal when he came in. Didn't see the cigarette. He was preaching a message about, out of book of Psalms about how they were fishermen and the waves, they were up and down, like, and they looked like drunk men, the Bible says in Psalms, you know. He said, there's a man on my right. He said, you look like one of us, but you're not one of us. He said, matter of fact, you've been married three times. He's only like 10 minutes into a sermon. And Parker gets up and pushes his way out and runs to the altar and gets the Holy Ghost, gets baptized, and he's a preacher, apostolic preacher with this thing. Why? Because he come to sell me something I came to give you something. He came offering me all this prosperity, but I taught him how to prosper. You understand what I'm saying? So he goes home to El Campo. He lives in El Campo. My mommy is three, four miles away. And he goes, and it's like 10 o'clock at night, and he's beating on my mom's door. And my dad had died. You don't do that. And so she opens up, and my mom says, Parker, what do you want? She Miss Haber, he said, well, Danny, that's real. I got it tonight. I got, I got the Holy Ghost. I spoke in tongue Wednesday night. He brings my mom and my little sister, and Brother Clark's preaching. And while he's preaching, he said, uh, there, there's, there's a woman on my right. He says, uh, he says uh, uh, you mean well. He's preaching best about those that meant well, about when they threw uh, the one brother in the pit, and they, the one said, I'm going to go back and get him. And when he went back, they were sold into bondage. And he said, there's, some, there's a woman on my right, you mean well. And my mom, boy, she had on, she was decked out, man. She had earrings, all, I mean, she smoked two packs a day. And, man, she, she was all decked out. And, man, all of a sudden when he said that, there's a woman on my right, you mean well, but, but you need God. And, man, when she, he said that, she gets up, been preaching about 10 minutes. <laughs> Push, people hadn't even heard the preacher preach more than 10 minutes yet. 
and she starts pushing her way out. And I thought she was leaving. Later, she told me, she said, I thought I was leaving too. But when she hit the uh, altar uh, aisle, she turned to the altar. She had scoliosis of the spine, couldn't bend down and pick stuff up anymore. And man, when she got the Holy Ghost and got baptized in Jesus' name, when she come out of the water, God healed her completely and she never touched another cigarette. You know why? Because God made a radical adjustment in her life. Because somebody said, hey, what daddy has is real. She wouldn't take it from me, but she took it from him. So God said, you know, I'm going to get Shirley Aver. I'm going to bring Parker all the way from Amarillo to Bay City, Texas, to fill him with the Holy Ghost so he can tell Danny's mom what he has is real. I know y'all want to go home. The next night, I get this Jehovah Witness girl to come. And this is my last story. I get this Jehovah Witness to come, Linda. And uh, she comes and she sits about three rows, about right where that brother is. Clipped wing over there. And uh, he got to preach it again. And when he got up there, he said, God gave me two words. Keith Clark, same preacher. Nobody's heard him but two, ten minutes. And people were getting mad at me because he wasn't finishing his messages. And he said, God gave me two words in the prayer room. He said, I'm going to stop sometime in this message. I'm going to say two words, and you're going to know I'm talking to you. And he said, I want you to understand that, that God's going to bring you up to this altar. God is Jesus, man. Uh, is God's Jesus. He's manifesting the flesh. So I want you to know there's one God. He said, but when I say these two words, you're going to know that I'm talking to you, and I want you to run to this altar. So, man, he's preaching like 10 minutes. It's like a house on fire, and all of a sudden he stops. Do y'all ever know Keith Clark? Did any of y'all know him? He had these black eyeballs, man, that looked like gun barrels when he looked at you. He was intense, man. He was intense. And, man, he looks, he stops right in the middle, about 10 minutes into it, and he looks over at that girl that I brought. He said, broken promises. And everybody's just sitting there, and all of a sudden she goes, Woo! And she jumps up out of that pew, and this is what she looks I'm saying she, she goes, run into the prayer to the altar and she gets to the altar gets the holy ghost gets baptized in jesus name still living for god to this day no 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 i said i gotta ask you i said what what did he say because i didn't really catch what he said you know and she said well uh he said broken promises i said what's that mean she said well i'm jehovah witness and when they found out that i was going to go to y'all's church tonight the elders of the jehovah witness the kingdom hall they came over to my house and they told me that if I go to this church, that they're going to excommunicate me and that my parents are going to disown me and that I won't be able to ever come back to them. And she said, I looked at them and said, I don't care, I'm going. And they said, well, then you're excommunicated. And she said, when they walked out the door, she said, that's okay. All y'all have ever given me was broken promises. And she said, I slammed the door. You want revival? Start taking revenge on the devil. You want revival? Make a commitment that you'll commit to the people that come and you'll, you'll, you'll help them, you'll support them, you'll move them, you'll, you'll give them all the love and the things that they need spiritually in the, in the love of God. You'll, 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 you'll be an impact in their life. Somebody say praise the Lord. Somebody say praise the Lord. And I got so much more, but I'm through. Uh, Follow-up is life transference. See, God didn't change me 
so I could just be me. He changed me to transfer what he gave me into somebody else. That's what God's doing in this church. You need to forget about everything else and wipe the slate clean, and you need to come into the service area, and you need to make people say it. Friendly is the most exciting church. Y'all need to start saying that. Y'all need to get up behind that pulpit and say, welcome to the friendliest, most exciting church. You know why? Because it is if you get excited about it. Because there's nothing like it. And if you want to see a move of God like that, why did God give that to me? Why did he give it to Sister Abram? Because we were willing to make the sacrifice, the commitment. We were willing to go to the jail and preach. We were willing to pick up somebody that was walking down the road that was close to the church and say, what are you doing? Nothing. Come on to church with us. And she came to church with us. It happens over and over again because God knows that we're going to be faithful. And so he added to the church today all those people, man. Uh, you just can't believe Dave Stratemeyer, man, had a teardrop tattooed on his, on his face. He had a pair of girls' chick jeans on, came to church, and God filled him with the Holy Ghost, got baptized in Jesus' name. Jehu looked like somebody hit him in the face. His nose was flat, man. And he comes against the Holy Ghost, gets baptized in Jesus' name. And, and then God, God reaches out to Gary and Janet May there in Houston, the lawyer, and then Rhonda, the drug addict, that, that her, uh, after she got in church, she was, a, she, was, she was a crack addict. And God filled her with the Holy Ghost in one of my revivals, and, and, and I began to witness to her. And she asked me, she said, will God do what he did for you for me? I said, right now. And he did, man. I didn't see her. About four years later, we're at the, uh, we're at the uh, general conference in San Antonio, and this beautiful woman walks up to us on fire for God, Pentecostal. And she, you remember me? No. She said, I'm Ron. I'm the crack addict. I got married. I got two kids. And we're the youth pastors at Brother Lester's uh, Righteous Church. Amen. I'm here to tell you, friend, it happens like that. But you got to want it. You got to come down carefully. You got to clear yourself. You got to see sin the way God sees it. You got to respect God too much to go back and do the same old, same old. He's going to give you this vehement desire. And then he's going to give you the zeal. And once you get that zeal back, take revenge on the devil. Take revenge on the devil. The Bible says if you catch a thief in his act, he has to restore it sevenfold. Think about all the people that he's gotten out of the church. And just sit back and say, oh, devil, you're in trouble now. Because every one that you took out, God will give us seven more. And understand that the word of God is real, amen. I'm going to get, get revenge on the devil. I'm going to start talking to people. I'm going to start working with people. And I'm not going to just let them come in and visit and just shake their hand off okay, and let them go. With the voice. I'm walking them all the way out to their car. I'm going to walk them all the way out there and talk to them and visit with them. Lean up against the car with them and talk to them. Oh, yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. Not how it was. Every head bowed, every head closed. Life transferred. Transferring of the things in your life to the life of a new Christian. In other words, the sharing of a lifestyle with a new believer. So be affectionately desirous of you. We were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also of our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Our walk with the Lord must be worthy of imitation. When you're where you're supposed to be in God, when you're Christ-like, People are going to want to imitate you. They're going to want to worship like you worship. They're going to want to pray like you pray. You can never take anybody deeper in their walk with God than what your walk with God is.
And that's why it's important for you every day. Seek what's real. Seek what's real. Seek what's real. We have to be willing to make a, a commitment. Personal follow-up time is consuming, but we've got to have priorities in our life. We've got to do what God wants us to do. God, I call on you right now. I know that I went over and went a little late, but God, I was trying to get across, Lord, to this church that you've got something so great for them that you've got souls that are ready right now, but we've got to get ourselves out of the way and we've got to make that commitment. We've got to understand that we need to come down carefully. We need to clear ourselves of all these things that we've attached ourselves to since we've been in church. We need to see you the way, see sin the way you see it, Lord, so that when we look at a sinner, we are moved with compassion. And every time the word compassion is used in the New Testament, in, in the Gospels, there's a miracle that takes place. So when we see somebody come in, Lord, let us be moved with compassion because we see them the way you see them. God, let us hate sin because you hate sin, Lord. God, give us that vehement desire to just worship you and to love you. And God, give me that zeal. Give me that zeal that causes me to want to jump and shout. But that's not my nature. We're talking about God's nature now. God, give me that zeal that I can worship, that, that somebody beside me is going to feel that overflow on them, Lord, that they're going to see me worshiping God. And God, after they see that, Lord, give me revenge. Let me take revenge on the devil. Let me get a Bible study. Let me teach somebody. Let me teach a family, Lord. Let me baptize a family, Lord. Let me reach out to somebody that don't know you, God. If they know you, if they think they know you, God, let me give them the truth. It's time that the church wakes up and says, you know what? I am coming after it. I'm not backing down. I'm not going backwards. I'm going forward in the name of Jesus. I'm serving notice on the devil. The devil, we're going to be troubled for you because God is going to add to his church daily because I'm going to fill my reservoir with souls. I'm going to witness every chance I get. Somebody say praise the Lord. <laughs> I want to keep going, but I can't. I want to keep calling people's names, but I can't. I don't want to wear out the saints of the Most High. The Bible says the devil's come to wear out the saints of the Most High. And I want you to know, I don't just come here because uh, Ryan and Nicolette and the grandkids are here. I come here because I, I love this church too. Sister Ava loves this church too. I'm so thankful that my son's in a church that's on fire for God that has a pastor that believes truth. You've got to understand what you have. You can't, you can't just sit back. You've got to make sure that the same zeal he has, you got to, he wants to transfer that into you. Dude, I, I've only been here a week and a, a day. That, that, uh, I've been here, I've been there, I've been here, I've been there. And things can go there because I'm here. Sunday I'm going to go here and then there. I'm going that's what I say there. How does he do it? Then they want to take you to an Italian restaurant and fill you full of pasta. <laughs> Driving home. Trying not to fall asleep. But, but I honestly mean this, that I don't come here just to preach a message. I don't come here just to say something. I want to encourage you. Get behind your pastor. And I want y'all, you need to start saying that behind that pulpit every chance you get. When you get up there, welcome to the friendliest and most exciting church in town. And let everybody know that. When they say that, y'all ought to just roar with that. Just roar. Let it go. 
because people need to know that what they're in is something special. And it is going to, your life is going to be transferred into that, that transference. God bless you. Shake hands. Be friendly. We love y'all. And I'll see y'all Sunday. Uh, but I don't know, Sister Avery, you, how far is Santa Cruz first? Let me ask this. Let me ask this. Oh, my Lord. We, we might. If Sister Avery wants to go, I'll let her go. No, no. no I would enjoy the fellowship. Too. We'll see how I'm feeling after this next tomorrow night. But uh, that's what it's all about, fellowshipping. Getting together, having fun, man. And y'all are a family. Be a family. Get excited. Let God use you. And y'all are also, and young man, you get on, you stay on fire. You keep saying, you let everybody know this friendliest, most exciting church in town. When you get up here, you've got that ability to do that. What set a spark in our, 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 our church in, in Bay City that ran about 79 old billy goats. One young man came in. One young man came in on fire for God. And he started witnessing, and all of a sudden, all of us guys started coming in. And all of a sudden, you had 11, 12 of us guys that all had good jobs with oil companies and, and construction jobs at the nuclear plant. And, and we turned that city upside down. We had two 100-soul revivals, all because of one young man that began to get on fire for God, and the other young people got on fire for God. God bless you. Shake hands. Be friendly. Uh, we'll talk to you all tomorrow more about that Santa Cruz. That sounds like a long cruise. And we used to never gripe about three hours, you know. Now, you, get, you get older, I guess I might have to just make a, might have to make a commitment, I guess. I don't know. God bless y'all. Shake hands. Be friendly. We love you guys. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.